Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every weekday morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and InsideTexas.com. And guys, I don't even know where to begin. Big win, obviously, at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Beat Bama 34-24, to up to number four in the AP poll. First time in the top five since, what, 10, 2010. Even got a first, a couple of first-place votes. Uh, Bobby, I'm just going to hand it off to you and, and, and let you talk about it for a second. Well, I mean, absolutely. Look, uh, the scene in Tuscaloosa was outstanding. Uh, the uh, Longhorns. I thought thoroughly beat Alabama. Uh, I wrote about it this morning on Inside Texas, and we talked about it over the weekend. But this was no fluke, guys. It, it wasn't something that just happened. Texas beat them. You know what I mean? And so uh, I really, I, I think Texas took it to the Longhorns. Uh, excuse me, took it to the Crimson Tide. I think Texas had a better quarterback, better receivers. Uh, they matched their running backs. They mat uh, the, the Alabama tight end, by the way, is one of the ones that scored. Uh, he's going to be a, a hell of a player long term yeah. for them. There's no doubt there. But the Texas offensive line was as good or better than Alabama's. The Texas pass rush was better than Alabama's. The Texas secondary was better than Alabama's. Hey, Bobby, what you just said, which is the most amazing thing you just said, <clears throat> and this is kind of, you know, we talked about Alabama not being able to overwhelm you with offensive talent anymore. Texas edges were better than Alabama in that. No doubt. I, dude, Anthony, Anthony Hill and Ethan Burke yes. are a revelation of sorts. Yeah. There's just no two ways about that because uh, we've talked all offseason, like who's going to step up and be a pass rush, Jerry? Hell, we didn't know. Yeah. And, and then for to see them do that. Now, granted, one of the left, the left tackle for Alabama is a true freshman. So right. they will play better left tackles. They may not play more talented left tackles unless they're going up against Kelvin Banks in practice, though. Yeah, and that, that guy was the number one player at his position in the country. But they got pressure up the middle. They got pressure off the left, uh, off the other side. I, you know, I we thought Baron Sorrell was going to lead this team in sacks. That now we think it's either Ethan Burke or, or Anthony Hill. Just two games into the season, is that no? Is that, is that fair for both you and Blake to say? Look, if he, if Texas plays Ethan Burke in a two point stance all year and lets him come off the edge as like almost a nine, he may lead this team in sacks, depending on how quickly Anthony Hill comes on and Anthony Hill's responsibilities at linebacker throughout the season. But if Ethan Burke is put in that position to where he's going to maximize his athletic ability and length. Uh, he 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 may have a really really good year. No doubt about it. Well, guys, also I mean, not to just take away from the Alabama win, but moving forward, got Wyoming of course coming to town this week. It's going to be a big weekend, probably even bigger so after the Alabama yeah. win. But for recruiting, lots yeah. of lots of recruiting stuff going on. Jerry, what what's the latest on maybe some of the visitors? What you're hearing, all that good stuff. Yeah, it should be. Uh, I think the 2025 list of kids is going to build pretty quickly. We'll have some names at Inside Texas here in a couple hours with our Monday morning scoop. Um, but Ryan Wingo scheduled to be in this weekend. That's the biggest visitor on campus because this is a Texas-Missouri battle. Tennessee's running third. The five-star receiver out of St. Louis University High. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian has Texas in a really good spot here. Um, and this visit this weekend will be huge because I, I can say this. Um, I, will, I may be overstating it, but I don't think I'm going to be, guys. This is going to be the best home crowd Saturday home game atmosphere 
for a non-Power 5 opponent in Austin since when? It's a night game. LED lights are making an appearance. <laughs> EDC's making an appearance. And it's coming off a win at Alabama against the Wyoming team that beat Texas Tech. I, I just think this is a ma- – it just turned into a massive – non-Power 5 home game for Texas. It's going to create an amazing atmosphere, I have a feeling, Saturday night, guys. I And and all of that pin-up emotion that we saw from students oh, yeah. on Saturday night, guys, is going to be on full display. Yes. They're going to have a whole afternoon to get a little juiced up and ready. There's not The student section will be filled. The, the home section will be filled. Uh, I, I agree with Jerry. An unexpected... Big non-conference game coming up this weekend. Not necessarily that we're not trying to over-inflate. It's not LSU in 2019. No, no, no. But the non-power five. When we looked at this game in the preseason, yeah, you didn't think, oh, they're really going to get a hundred, hundred and two thousand for this game. Yeah, you, you know. So I I agree with Jerry's take on that. Uh, Hey, Blake. Before we get into it, I want to say thank you to our uh, newest sponsor. That's John Donovan, president of Longhorn Wealth Management. In his more than 30 years of practice, John, as a certified financial planner, has been providing total wealth management services and solutions for his clients. John is a proud UT grad and has served 14 years as a Dallas, Texas, Texas board member. He shares his passion for UT with his wife and his six siblings, all of whom are also UT grads. It is this passion that led John to dedicate his firm to serving his fellow UT alumni, employees, family, and friends. So to learn how Longhorn Wealth can orchestrate prosperity for you and your loved ones, give John a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. That's longhornwealth.net. We appreciate his sponsorship of Monday's Coffee and Football. We had had a question right out of the gate, and we don't have to pull it up, but is Wyoming a trap game? It's not anymore. I'll say this. It's not anymore, and here's why I say that. Um... They're a scrappy team. They they beat Portland State 31-17. They had 370 yards. The week before, Oregon put up 740 yards and beat Portland State 81-7. But here's the thing why it's not a trap game. The home crowd is going to be electric. It's going to be off the charts. Texas Wyoming beating Texas Tech took away any chance that this became a trap game for Texas. That will get the Texas players' attention. And here's another reason it won't be a trap game. The biggest challenge, the way this staff is going to challenge this team this week, is if you want to be a champion, you got to go prepare every week to be a champion. And if they have a great week of prep this week, like they did last week, no chance it's a track game. Uh, then you have, even though it's a night game, there's a, it's going to be pretty hot on the field in Austin, a lot hotter than what the players in Laramie are accustomed to, and they only get to bring 65. I like Texas pretty big in this one. Somebody asked about Isaiah Nayor. I think it's going to be a great. I think Sark knows how big of a game this will be for Nayor. Uh, I, I would. I'd be shocked if he didn't get a few targets in this game. Hey, and speaking, we we're talking uh, about Wyoming, of course. And William Nish has a follow-up question. I want to read real quick, guys. Then he says, Wyoming, of course, seems to be a scrappy team, which is exactly what you said. Any concerns that Texas comes out flat Saturday night? I, I don't think it's, there's a chance they come out flat. I think that Wyoming can. Wyoming's actually a decent defense, guys. That's yeah. kind of what where they live. Craig Bowl is a run first head coach. He's a former Nebraska, longtime Nebraska assistant. Then when he preceded uh, 
Chris Kleiman at North Dakota State, led North Dakota State to a, sub, a, a couple of uh, national championships before taking the Wyoming job. He is a run-first coach. He will make sure that they stop the run or at least attempt to, to stop the run uh, and then uh, also uh, try to play ball control on offense. Uh, what do I ex- do? I expect them to be able to corral Texas? No. Could it be a game much like Rice where it doesn't look pretty, but the final score is fairly comfortable? You know, we'll have to see. Uh, we know, uh, and Rod brought this up on last night's live stream, Jerry and Blake, we know now just how much time Texas spent on Alabama in the offseason. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so you know they didn't spend that same amount of time on Rice nor Wyoming. So there, there's going to be a fallout from that. However, I will say this, based on what I saw against Alabama, Texas effectively now has playmakers. That's the thing. Bobby, uh, that's and, we've been talking about on two years – on this uh, on on Texas football, going from zero now to whatever twenty thousand six hundred almost. And thank you to all the Texas fans. Tell your friends. Uh, let's keep growing this thing. Y'all are awesome over the weekend. Uh, but Texas has playmakers, and going into the Alabama game, that's kind. Of, I wrote on Inside Texas. That's what. That's a big difference in the program. Bobby's been screaming for years about playmakers, playmakers, and, and, and I agree with him. And and Texas took the field in Tuscaloosa. Um, while I wanted to see the offensive line be more physical coming off the Rice game, that was kind of the thing I was looking for against Alabama. Texas has more playmakers on both sides of the ball. Now you're adding Ethan Burke to the playmaker. So if you get a playmaker that and Anthony Hill to emerge, it it just takes you to a different place, guys. <clears throat> Dude, you you cannot. How many times last year did they not get the quarterback on the ground? where they had a legitimate shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it if those guys are legit, okay, and you have to say if because it's only game two, right? It fundamentally changes what you think of the Texas defense because you knew the Texas defense was going to be experienced. Jalen Ford, all, the, all that experience in the secondary coming back, the guys like Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Tavondre Sweat, uh, it's clearly a contract year for him, Jerry and Blake. Yeah. You add edge presence and pass rush, it is a different animal of a defense. I'm not saying they're going to shut people out. That it, they have the opportunity to make negative plays, and all of a sudden, third and seven is third and seventeen. I mean, I just that's the difference. And <clears throat> as they go through this season, I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, Kansas now has two edge guys they have to worry about corralling i mean right you 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 went you kansas is maybe the best offense of the big 12 just even Agreed. you know they they just got guys everywhere they've got a senior quarterback they've got a good wide receivers good running back a, a full offensive line back intact i know that sounds weird to a lot of people but uh, <laughs> they they have a good offense right now Brett Bielema no. agrees, bobby yeah yeah he just lost 34 23 and Kansas scored, I think, on the first four possessions yep. of a defense that was the top-ranked defense in the Big Ten last year. Yeah. So my point is those edges help contain inside and make you play big on big against a team like that. All of a sudden, that looks a, like a different type of game, how Texas is going to have to win that. I, I can't – that and the – and, Jerry, you brought this up last night. You know, have you seen an offensive line look different from one game to the next in your, I mean, your lifetime? No. I mean, they yeah. looked they looked lost. 
against Rice. Now, Rice did some interesting things, right? But have you ever seen a team go from looking like that against Rice to what they did against Alabama? No, and I think a lot of the fans are like, well, you, you know, you're you're being hard on the offensive line last week. Y'all are being hard on the offensive line. But Sark was pissed in this press conference about the lack of physicality, right? But it's a great week to coach those guys. And, and it's not because Texas was vanilla – uh, in their offensive scheme as far as the offensive line against Rice. That's that's not what makes a coach mad. It's the lack of physicality at the point of attack against the team where you're better than. You have better players than they do. Um, but it, So I was a great week to coach those guys, and I thought Sark obviously changed up some protections at times. They moved the line of scrimmage, moved the pocket when they had when they needed to against Alabama to keep them off balance just enough. Uh, but this this offensive line played with a different physicality. Uh, Cole Kubelik posted a great pull uh, video of, of uh, uh, Cole Hudson pulling, and no, and I loved what he said. No gloves. <laughs> he just detonated that guy. Yeah. So look, I mean, and this is where competition's great, guys. Cole Hudson, Hayden Connor weren't pushed last year. They started thirteen games, and there was nobody you could say that could push those guys. This year, as this talent continues to become more and more in the program, Cole Hudson's pushed by DJ Campbell. Hayden Connors can be continue to be pushed by Neto. That makes all those guys more physical and better football players. No doubt about it. If you have a threat to lose your job, Texas coaches are going to get your max physicality when you have chances, especially as the season goes on. For sure. All right. Well, before we move on to the questions and all that, guys, I, last week we, uh, you know, on Monday we talked about the Big 12. So let's do that again this week. Oh, of boy. There's lots of interesting games going on. Uh, was it, was there anything in particular that maybe caught y'all's eye or, you know, made you step back and say, wow? Yeah. It, mine, Kansas State waxed Troy. Troy is a good mid major team. And then Kansas. They dominated Illinois, okay? They were both home games, but right now you have to say Texas, Kansas State, and Kansas are the three most impressive teams in the Big 12. Just think about that. For We're not talking basketball here, okay? We're talking football. I know Brett Yormark wishes we were, but we're not. We're talking football <laughs> right now. Um, you know, Iowa State's going to struggle this year. Um, Texas Tech, boy, those daubers are down. Tortillas are in hand, not being thrown. In <laughs> I mean, they're putting them back in the little plastic bags for now. Um, UCF, nice road win. Boise's not what they used to be. Washington smashed Boise, but I think Washington may be a playoff team this year. That coach is tremendous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, then Rice beating Houston. Now, that's good for Texas. Uh, but that Rice uh, Houston job looks like it's going to open, guys. That's not the that's not the loss you take to keep your job when they're already after you. Bob, I tell you the the two that that uh, surprised me the most were UCF traveling to Boise, and Boise's got a good defense. Typically, uh, they UCF traveling to Boise and winning, even though it was only eighteen sixteen. Boy, uh, UCF has a little something to them this year. That that is not a game they normally win, in my opinion. Uh, the other one uh, was that was interesting that surprised me was Cincinnati beat Pittsburgh. That doesn't sound like much, but Cincinnati lost a lot yeah. um, this year, including their head coach. Uh, Pittsburgh was expected to rebound and be 
a potential lower end top 25 team. Uh, Cincinnati went into Pittsburgh and won 27-21. But look, legitimately, the biggest game outside of the Texas game that Texas fans were interested in. (laughs) Here he goes. uh, Was the one in Miami in Coral Gables, or not even in Coral Gables, but uh, the Aggies right now, I don't, like, are they already talking about who their next coach is? They probably are in Texas. I I, I got sent some some (laughs) screenshots from um, opposing Aggie message boards yesterday. And some of them are, I mean, they're ready to, they're ready to, to write the check. You know what I mean? And go and move on from Jimbo Fisher. Uh, I do not know uh, what's going to end up happening there. Uh, but look, they gave up 40 plus to Miami. I mean, with, how much, I mean, what, with all they've spent on the defensive line and that, uh, I mean, Jerry, how do you, I mean, is, is that just poor defensive coaching? I mean, because, or is it poor? I mean, Ian Boyd. Now, I will say this: Ian Boyd said uh, of uh, Inside Texas said he feels like the Aggies are showing the hallmarks of a poor strength and conditioning program. Or is it poor culture? Or both? Because they had look. They've yeah. there's been a lot of guys that left that program off the, out of that 22 class, um, out of a uh, the number one ranked class of all time which I caught a lot of trash for just predicting it because we just knew what's going on in recruiting, right? Yep. A lot of those guys have left. So they, there, there's some issues there that I think go beyond what you see on the football field, for sure. Um, but with all that said, I don't know how you recruit nine five-star defensive linemen and, and Miami throws for 400 yards on your 375. That's the thing that's got to be for AM alums. They've got to just be fired up about more than anything. Is it's it's not that they lost to a good, decent Miami team, but Miami lost two or three defensive linemen to injury in that game. They didn't even play with some of their top guys. It's how you lost. Mm-hmm. It's how you lost. You gave up a hundred yard kickoff return. You couldn't get pressure on Van Dyke. He threw for three eighty or whatever it was, and you gave up 48 points. That's not what you've been recruiting to the level of defensively. I, I want to say this. How much is how much lack of offensive firepower did Devin A-Chain mask for them Yeah, in big plays? Now, I'm not saying they won't have other guys, but A-Chain as a big play guy for them, serious. I, I think that was a big one. Hey, Jerry, I want to ask you a recruiting question. Uh, a couple of things that have come up uh, that we need to mention. You you put an RPM pick in for Ryan Wingo on Sunday. That's the wide receiver out of St. Louis University. Brandon Baker, the offensive lineman out of modern day in uh, California, is expected to announce his decision on September 24th. Uh, we don't know when uh, defensive back Kobe Black is expected to hit, make his decision, but Texas uh, in a good position there after canceling his LSU visit over the weekend. What's going on in recruiting right now? Give people a taste and a sense of what 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 you're thinking. Yeah, I just wrote on Inside Texas, path to a third straight top five class. You can go over to Inside Texas and read that. We got a great sub promo right now, which Bobby will read. Uh, but look, it's to me, the big thing with this class is you're in, you're right there in the street fight. When Nick Saban said last week was a street fight, going to be Saturday was going to be a street fight. Texas is in three street fights in recruiting, right? They lead big for Kobe Black, but you got to recruit through the whistle. Ryan Wingo's a street fight with Missouri because of the new NIL legislation in that state. I think without that, it's a Texas-Tennessee battle. Um, 
And then I think three, Brandon Baker may be the most important street fight of all because he is a five-star right tackle. And he is a really athletically gifted pass protector. And that one, uh, he's com- he's going to announce his decision September 24th. I think Texas is in a good spot there, but Ohio State, Oregon are, are in it. And he's visiting Nebraska this weekend, which I'm not sure that's going to be the type of raucous crowd that uh, Nebraska- Matt Rule hoped when he was bringing in <laughs> Baker for this official visit. I think there's going to be some a lot of volleyball fans in the stands this weekend. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> uh, so I... I don't know if that one's going to help, um, but uh, so things they're there. But I will well, be interesting to watch now. What happens with a win like this? And I'm not saying it's pancake flipping time. Recruiting is different in the NIL era. It's a different game. Um, Texas two one zero. Yes, there's a silent or two. But here's the thing. Um, you now you're just talking about AM. AM's not done losing. Not when you give up 48 points at Miami and you have an SEC schedule in front of you. They're not done losing. If they go 11 and 1, that'd be one of the shockers. Um, Ty Anthony Smith, the offensive tackle, Weston Davis out of Beaumont United. Texas isn't backing off those guys. Now, if he, at any point, if either one of those guys wanted to jump in, um, I think Texas is going to make a play at Weston Davis. If either one of those guys wanted to jump in, they'd have an opportunity. Texas is going to need to flip a defensive back in this class. Uh, so everybody's talking about Corey Gibson and Wardell Mack. I think it's those two guys. Um, you know, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens there long term. These these things aren't instant. Um, it, it takes time. There's a course of a season. There's a course of uh, uh, things that have to play out in regards. These kids picked other schools for a reason. It doesn't just go away. Um, and you just have to keep chipping away. But, you know, we, we sound like a broken record, but Sark and the staff have recruited through the whistle since they got to Austin. That's why Bobby and I started using the recruit through the whistle term in recruiting for this that staff. And they're going to recruit through the whistle. And I think uh, as long as this team handles business the rest of the way, um, that it's going to turn up aces come December for them. I think it'll be a third straight top five class. Jerry, real quick, what, what do they do in the portal? I mean, we got a couple of questions. I want to. I think that's the best first. best question, Bobby, because to, I I know we're so used to focus on hyper focus on who can we flip because I think a lot of times in recruiting you just want to flip that guy and laugh and have fun on message boards. But Sark and these guys have to look at this a different way. Um, I actually think the win over Alabama impacts portal recruiting more than 2024 high school recruiting. And I think second, the portal recruiting is future recruiting 25 and 26 kids, especially maybe in the state of Georgia, you get some eyeballs on you now because they were all over the stands in Tuscaloosa, top prospect portal. If you're a kid, Bobby and Blake at receiver or tied in, you're saying Texas is going to lose these, these, these guys to the NFL. That looks like a place I can go in and have a impact and help my NFL draft stock. That's what a win like this does. I'm not sure it doesn't impact portal recruiting more than anything, Bobby. Yeah, I agree. Hey, guys, let's bring in somebody that uh, Texas fans yeah. know a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him up to the middle of the screen there. Blake, thanks for doing that for us. No problem. Uh, Coach Riley Dodge of South Lake Carroll Dragons, how are you doing this morning? What's up, guys? How are you all doing? Good. You're 3-0, and I hear, so far. Yeah, it's going good so far. Going good. Hey, you beat up on Brian Irwin's old Flower Mound Marcus team in week two, right? <laughs> he, he does lunch with the coach, so we'll talk a little trash. Yeah. Um, and then you beat up Cedar Hill last week. So how are you guys playing? Before we get to how many hookums you threw up Saturday night during the game. 
Yeah, it's going good. We've uh, we've started fast. We just wrapped up non-district play, hopping district this week against Keller Timber Creek on Thursday. But uh, we got a good ball club. Um, we've uh, we got some veterans on this football team to play a lot of football for us, and uh, just uh, playing fast and physical football right now. Obviously, people uh, they want to know. We'll get to Quinn because you coach Quinn. You know Quinn better than anybody. Um, what a great moment it was for him. Um, but being a guy that grew up Texas. Uh, watching the struggles of the program, you were there uh, as a part of the staff. What were your thoughts on Saturday night? What are your thoughts on Sark now uh, after this in year three? Because I know you know you know that staff better than a lot of us do. Uh, they weren't shy. I would say that you know, offensively, defensively, special teams across the board. I mean, they walked into Tuscaloosa and owned it from the jump, and um, I think that just jumped off the screen. Um, sit in my living room. I mean, they they went into that ball game um, not to keep it close and just kind of to test the waters. They came in and um, they came in to win the ball game and try to do it in emphatic uh, in an emphatic fashion. And that's exactly what they did. They kept chipping away. They didn't get uh, you know they didn't get bored with success. You know, um, I think that was the biggest thing that I saw is they just kept chipping away and uh, won them more in all three phases. Hey, Coach uh, Bobby Burton, you. The question I have for you, I thought Sark did a nice job of getting Quinn into the game early with easy throws. You think that's something that maybe Quinn needed at that point just to get going and get the feel of the game and get uh, get some first downs, et cetera? And then as the game went on, the intermediate and the deep ball became much more impactful, in my opinion. You agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you nailed it. I think that regardless if you know you're if you're a young quarterback or a veteran um especially on the road especially in, in Tuscaloosa I mean um you want to get the quarterback in a rhythm early you want to see him you want him to see the ball caught I think you know and get the ball to playmakers and let them go to work and then obviously just chipping away and then those opportunities those explosives started showing up in the second half and, and you know late in the first um but I just love the tempo that they played at the urgency level um you can tell Quinn is just so much more comfortable in the offense um, I think it just comes with time, um, but Quinn's urgency level, getting guys to the line of scrimmage and uh, got, holding guys accountable um, popped off on the screen even, you know, even last week or the week before against Rice. Uh, but, yeah, that was huge. I mean, just getting the ball and, and making Alabama run 53 yards wide was was massive early. Hey, what, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Riley, uh, again, Coach Dodge at South Lake Carroll. He's only 68 and six in his career as a head coach, guys. So, um, <laughs> but uh, um what I wanted to ask you was, Quinn, you know Quinn, you watch it up close. I remember the first time I went to watch Quinn, it was a Thursday walkthrough, I think, w- with you guys, indoor, and the ball never hit the ground. And I'm not sure it was ever outside somebody's numbers or shoulder pads that day, even though it was a walkthrough. I remember telling Bobby about that when I left. Um, what if you, you know, people that have talked about, you know, Quinn struggling with deep ball, whatever. I, th- I think a lot of times your receivers have to go make plays for you as well. You know, just talk about Quinn at an early age, you coaching him, what you've seen in his maturity um, that's leading him now to this point. Because uh, one of the things I talk about, he's only started 12 college games now. He's still an inexperienced quarterback. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think that um, we've been hearing about Quinn Ewers for a long time, but I think people don't realize, like, how young, like, how young a football player he is. Um, missed his entire senior year. Um, didn't play at all at Ohio State that year. Um, played eight ball games as a junior. So, I mean, his best football is still way, way, way out in front of him. Um, 
So I think that's that's the base thing. I think the thing that I see with Quinn right now is Quinn is a very uh, comfortable in his own skin. Um, I think that's one of his greatest qualities he has. Um, but what you saw the other night and what I said earlier, what jumped off the TV to me was, man, I was just fired up. He gave me chills just watching him commanding the offense, yeah. um, you know, getting on to guys in, in a good way, like just hey, getting up to the line of scrimmage and just just his body language as a whole. And he was, um, obviously did some really good things, but said he even kill um, for the majority of the night. And, uh, yeah, I just I see a guy that's in full command of an offense right now. And, and obviously, uh, when you got a guy like that, his talent level, uh, sky's the limit for that offense. Coach, I know you got a team to get back to, and we appreciate you taking the time out to, today. Riley Dodge, head football coach, South Lake Carroll High School, head coach of Quinn Ewers, among many others that are populating the Division One ranks right now uh, as well. Uh, hey, your dad, I, I've known your dad since you were knee high to a, you know, whatever. Uh, your dad played quarterback at Texas. How excited was he <laughs> for, for, for uh, what happened on Saturday night? Because I know he's been a part of that as well. Uh, the, the whole family just excited about what, what occurred. I, I mean, I know he's a grandpa now out of coaching from Austin Westlake. What, what was he like on Saturday night? Oh, he was excited. I called him right before the game. He's in Horseshoe Bay, and they were watching a couple of games beforehand. They were at a little uh, – they were at a restaurant. I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I got to get back home so I can get, like, in controlled setting uh, <laughs> to watch this game. So we we were uh, we were calling each other, you know, between possessions. What do you think? What's the next – what's the next answer? <laughs> so it's fun for us. I mean, we get to be fans now. And obviously, you know, him playing – get you know, playing quarterback there, he understands the pressures of it. And I, I was committed there for a long time and got an opportunity to work there. So – uh, just you know, just fired up, you know, just the uh, the uh, the opportunities this football team has, and just for Quinn, and I think the next step, you know, is is like you know how you know the repeatability factor, you know, is is now like coming down from that high, and and now just answering the bell next week. Yeah, last question I have for you, Riley, um, is you've been part of championship teams. You were quarterback of a championship team. Uh, you're you've been you're now the head coach of a program that is has high expectations every year. So this team, this Texas team went from a team that we think is very good to now having a great opportunity. Right. Can you speak to and you've coached on the college level? Can you speak to kind of that that expectation now handling all that moving forward and preparing weekly for uh, every opponent? And a lot of those opponents aren't as talented as Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a, I had the opportunity when I was at AM. and um, when I worked at AM and we went on the road to Tuscaloosa and won on the road. And obviously uh, that was a little bit later in the season, um, but just riding that high, you know, and, but I think the thing that I, I felt at that time, just in, in our, in our building and is we just, they wanted more, right? What's next? Um, we want to make sure. And I think that's exactly what coach Sark and the staff and the football player, the, the team feels right now. It's like, yeah, that, hey, we did exactly what we expected to do. You know, that's exactly what we expected to do. So now what's next? You know, what, how do we take it to another level and how do we get better? Now that, and I think that when they turn the film on, they're, they're going to see there was still a lot of meat on the bone. And so that's a, that's an exciting feeling for uh, for the uh, burnt orange. I agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. Riley Dodge, South Lake Carroll head coach. Good luck against Mansfield Timberview this week. Is that right? 
Timber Keller Creek. Timber Creek. Keller Timber Timber Creek. There's, Timber there's Creek. a lot. Okay, gotcha. It gets confusing around the Metroplex. <laughs> yeah. There's so many schools in the mid I mean, geez. Uh, and by the way, that's a, that's a great hat you're wearing. I'm going to have to stop by South Lake soon. <laughs> I got some. I got some for Jerry. Come on, man. <laughs> Take care, Coach, and hook them, buddy. See you, Coach. Bye. <laughs> uh, that was Riley Dodge, uh, uh, the uh, head football coach uh, over at uh, uh, South Lake Carroll. Former Texas commit, worked in the college game. His dad played quarterback at Texas. He grew up a Longhorn. Uh, he is uh, the former head coach of uh, Quinn Ewers during his high school career uh, there at South Lake. Uh, Jerry, uh, you know, what we're speaking to now are just this idea of Texas moving forward uh, is uh, is really impressive to me because now what, what he just hit on is, yeah. What do we do next? Yeah. Those those guys, they come back from Alabama. They got a taste of victory. You don't think they want to recreate that next week against Wyoming? It, it, yeah, and that's the thing. This home crowd is going to be awesome. It's going to be off the chart Saturday. Bevo Boulevard is going to be raucous, I think, Saturday when this team bus pulls in two hours before the game. I think it's going to be the biggest crowd we've ever seen on Bevo Boulevard for when the team arrives Saturday. I'm predicting it. I think it's going to be massive. This is going to be how the Texas fans are going to say thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a night game. This setting is going to carry this team through this week. It's going to help the adrenaline. It's going to help them push forward against an opponent that maybe sometimes you would say, "Mm, we can win with our B game. It's going to push them to play really, really well. Well, I'm interested to see what Sark says this morning about Cedric Baxter, guys. I, I was watching a little bit of Longhorn Network this morning, and um, he he had to have, be helped off the field. Um, so I, I that'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, Sark has to say about Cedric Baxter's injury this morning. But Texas has depth at positions. Um, but I think this crowd is going to carry this team this week. Um, then it's going to be easy to get prepared for your first road game in the Big 12 at Baylor. These speeches are really easy for Sark in the, last year in the Big 12. We're going to Baylor. They hate our guts. They would like nothing more than to beat Texas on our way out of the Big 12. Done. Simple enough. Simple enough. I mean, you know, if you need McConaughey to go in and say the Big 12 championships, the goal, the national championships, the dream, you can have that too, whatever. But <laughs> but it's Sark's got a pretty easy message this year and the last year in the Big 12 with these guys because everybody wants to beat Texas butt on the way out the door. No doubt. All right, guys. Well, we especially Houston after losing to Rice, by the way. I'll I'll keep going. Uh, Go go ahead, Blake. I don't want to derail the conversation with that one either. Uh, We got a lot of super chats we got to catch up on real quick, guys. So we're going to run through some of these. Uh, John Campbell. Thank you, John. He says, Riley Dodge had the greatest play I've ever seen live. 2006 state championship versus Westlake. Third and long, fourth quarter, puke pass touchdown. Even Westlake fans applauded. Jerry, do you remember that play? Yeah, I do. I I was there, and I I remember this, too, uh, about – you know, about Riley was an ultimate competitor, man. And that carries over to when you're a head coach. I don't care if you're the head coach at a power program or not. You're not 68 and six at a program unless you're a high level competitor, right? Because that means you're putting in the work every single day when people aren't watching it to keep that program at that level. Um, That's always what I remember about Riley is just a, a high level competitor with a really good mind in the game. Hey, thanks for doing that, John. I just sent a photograph of that to, to Riley Dodge right now via text. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. All right, next super chat. 
from Jimmy Trevino. He said, I said Milrow would struggle. I said Ewers would be fine. I said Sark would show he's better than week one. I said we'd win. Good morning, boys, and hook them. Well, good morning, and hook them to you too, Jimmy. We appreciate it. Good morning, you. Jimmy. You were right, and, and we're all happy about that, Jimmy. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> For yeah, those man. of us that thought that Alabama would, would uh, somehow squeak one out, I did not anticipate Texas scoring in the 30s. Um, and so that's Tell you what, Sark had a great game plan. Well, look, hey, let's talk plan. about that because the reality is, I know, I know. Sometimes people like to get carried away with predictions, but and it's fun. But uh, like Brian Irwin says, I'm not in. He's like, I'm not in the prediction uh, as a former coach. But here's the thing: Alabama was 20 and four against ranked opponents in the Nick Saban era at Bryant Denny Stadium. They were averaging giving up 18.7 per game. I believe Texas is only a third team that has ever scored 30-plus on Nick Saban and Bryant-Denny. That's pretty high cotton, uh, but it's also maybe uh, – it speaks to the level of Texas having more playmakers than they've had in recent years, bottom line. While we're on the topic of statistics, yours Barber actually had a comment this morning. Uh, it says, Hook'em from Columbus, Ohio. Not sure if anyone has mentioned this. According to ESPN Stats and Info, this was the first time in Nick Saban's 223 games at Alabama that the Tide have been outgained, lost the turnover battle, allowed more sacks, committed more penalties, and had a worse average starting field position than their opponent. It's pretty impressive. Hmm. So the first double-digit loss by Nick Saban in his at-home Yep. In his tenure. First double. Yeah. You have to go back to 2003 when he was coaching at LSU since he's lost a home game uh, in uh, college football uh, by double digits. I mean, Texas beat them. They were up by 10 and driving. Texas beat Alabama. They didn't win. They didn't hold on. Texas beat. Alabama. No doubt about it. By the way, I think Sark's now eight and three in the last 11 at Texas. So the corner's turned. That's a good point, Jerry. Good, good turn. A good, good uh, comment. That's going to lead me to this question, guys, from Patrick Page. He says, if Sark can pull this off, will this be the greatest redemption slash bounce back story of any coach that you can think of in the last 30 years? Hmm. I'd have to. Put- uh, I don't know. I, I I haven't thought about it that in that terms. Have, it, have you thought about that in those terms either, of you guys? No, Jerry Blake. I, I just haven't thought about it in those terms. Yeah, I haven't had chance. I haven't thought about it like that. I mean, for sure, I, I would need time to look at that one. One to ponder on for sure. All yeah. right, guys, we're gonna knock out a couple more super chats. This one from Bo, and he says, "Hook 'em, family. Thank you. We appreciate it." Jerry's jerky fun is in effect. Now I'm hitting the road next week. I'm on the road all next week. <laughs> headed to Louisiana, Sarah Land, Florida, all, all, making the trip down in the southeast region to get in those recruiting battles as a as a reporter. <laughs> well, Orlando, DeAndre Robinson, obviously, uh, and then IMG. You got a couple guys for 2024, and then a couple guys for oh, yeah. 2025 as well. And yeah. Solomon Williams. Yep. You, you got a you got a full group. Hey, tell people about Solomon Williams real quick, Jerry, because you talked to him yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I uh, uh, spoke with Solomon yesterday. Um, he's setting up his Texas official visit. It's either going to be this weekend for Wyoming or the Kansas game the thirtieth. That Kansas game on the thirtieth, I think Texas actually 
pushing some official visits that weekend. They have been. They're still trying to get DeAndre Carter, who committed to Auburn on campus. A couple others. We'll have more inside Texas on that later. Uh, but it all depends on uh, Solomon's mom's work schedule because when he visited Texas in late July, it was him and his head coach at Carrollwood Day, Marshall McDuffie, who got him to Austin, who I think had a pretty long-standing relationship with Jeff Banks dating back to some Alabama recruitment. So um, that that's going to be the next key uh, with Solomon is when he comes in for his official. And it's all going to be impacted on when his mom can make the trip with him because otherwise it's a wasted official for Texas. I mean, that's just the bottom line. They aren't getting that kid unless mama steps foot on campus for the official visit with him. So that's that's what that's what Texas is, has identified as yeah. what's got to happen. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just like Danny Okoye, right? He's committing here coming up. His mom's only been to Oklahoma. She didn't make the Texas official visit. She didn't go to Tennessee. She didn't go to LSU. So unless Danny Okoye were to show up in Austin this weekend with his mom, I'm not betting on Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yep, fair. No, that's fair. And this is a pass. Solomon's a pass rusher from uh, Tampa. Uh, is is yeah. also uh, we get to preface that for those. Uh, by, that by the way, I love the idea of getting the pass rush prospect from Tampa that was overlooked early in the state of Florida in recruiting, but he still had North Carolina and Clemson, some people, Virginia Tech, people like that knocking on his door. And his recruitment went from that to an Alabama official visit in June. Texas, Oregon, Texas A&M wanting to get him out. He's going to visit Oregon for their game against Colorado, which you want to talk about an environment oh. now. That one could cause you to commit emotionally. If Dion rolls up in the Eugene uh, September 23rd, now that's going to be wild scene in Eugene. Wild scene in Eugene. There's a shirt. Um, so yeah, Texas needs – I, I almost think it would be better to get him on campus for the Kansas game the week after that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <clears throat> Right, let's move on, guys. We got another super chat. This one from John Campbell. He says, The biggest thing for me about the game is every single time Bama grabbed any momentum, Texas took it back immediately. Sark got chump yardage whenever he wanted in the fourth. It was absolutely beautiful. Hey, let me give you a stat that one of uh, our friends of Inside Texas sent me this morning. How many clock minutes that, that relates directly to this question? How many clock minutes did Alabama lead? over the last two games against Texas. They led for a total of one, one minute and nine seconds. I was about to say, couldn't be One minute and nine seconds on Saturday. That's it. The previous year, obviously, not much. Uh, so, <clears throat> I agree. They came back. They they came back. The first play of the – or the last play of the third quarter was a three-yard toss to, to Keelan Robinson. Then they got the, the pass interference call. Then the big open play – where Cedric Baxter kind of baited them with the underneath route and Jatavian Sanders snuck behind him. Uh, and then, you know, from there, the easy, easy catch and throw from uh, uh, from uh, Quinn Ewers to A.D. Mitchell. I want to say something that uh, they mentioned on air on the rewatch uh, that I did not necessarily catch because I didn't have the end zone view. Quinn Ewers waited and showed patience to let the, the receiver, A.D. Mitchell, clear the linebacker on that TD. He was open immediately, but he he saw he had enough time and let A.D. Mitchell clear the, the linebacker, and Mitchell had three to four yards on Kool-Aid McKinstry on that catch. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, to put it in perspective, that minute and nine seconds, that's not even long enough to play Dixieland Delight. <laughs> <laughs> that's Alabama having a short lead, okay? <laughs> oh, man. 
All right, guys, I'm going to read this super chat here from Ken Ward. He says, hook them, boys. And by the way, thank you, Ken. He said, the defense looked great, but I think we're just scratching the surface. Hill, Burke, Williams, Muhammad, Benda playing important minutes and gaining experience and confidence. Y'all's thoughts? Yeah, I I just couldn't agree more. I mean, the freshmen are getting time, important time. And and the young players, look, they – DJ Campbell played 35 snaps. Cole Hudson played 42. That's getting both guys more and more experience. That's a positive rotation. I saw Jeray Bledsoe in there taking on two blockers. He calls, he gave Anthony Hill the second sack. It was Jeray Bledsoe's up the middle pressure mm-hmm. that, that messed up the timing of that play, and Anthony Hill came and cleaned it right. up for the sack. That and, play was made by Bledsoe. I, but here's the issue, too, okay? We've been talking all weekend. I mean, Jerry, you and I have been on, on this a bunch. We haven't mentioned Jeray Bledsoe's name once until just now. Right. And the reality of it is, is that's the sort of depth Texas is creating. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. look, that's good. I mean, that, that's all there is to it. That That is a sign of a healthy football program. When you're naming someone new two days later that, that not many people have talked about, Chris Ross got on the field last night or on Saturday. I mean, it's it's strong. I mean, they're 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 building something. To your point, late throughout this season, rushing the passer. What happens when Anthony Hill and Ethan Burke start having more success? And a lot of people say well, Ethan Burke had success uh, because it was an Alabama freshman offensive tackle, maybe. Um, but Ethan Burke's grown so much as a player. He had a sack against Rice. I think they're playing him in an athletic position where he can go maximize his potential. But what happens when those guys have success? is it creates opportunities. I mean, you have Jare Bledsoe and Chris Ross. Those guys are going to make plays rushing the passers as the season moves along. I think what we're going to see is Texas go from who's going to rush the passer to saying the future is in really good hands rushing the passer. That's the thing for me. They start using backs to chip on Ethan Burke and Anthony Hill. All of a sudden, Byron Murphy's one-on-one. Yeah. And, and by the way, and thank you, that's a great point, Bobby, because Byron Murphy sweat. Alfred Collins, more Byron Murphy and Sweat. You have to double one of those two guys right now. Wyoming's preparing for Texas, deciding which guy they're going to double. Because Wyoming has, if they can't, if they're not effective on first down, they have no chance in Austin Saturday. Zero if they're not effective on first down. They're going to have to double guys. And as long as Texas has a guy that has to be doubled on the interior, to your point, some favorable matchups on the outside. Hi, Bobby. You mentioned a, a healthy football program, but what about a healthy Trill Carter? Rich Thompson says, Trill Carter, what's up with Trill? Have y'all heard anything? He did play some on Saturday, uh, but not, I think, maybe 10 snaps. Uh, I didn't see that much. My thought is there, Jerry noticed he's got a knee brace on right now. Good one. Um, don't know exactly what the extent of that is, other than he's just not seeing as much time. Vernon Broughton, by the way, has really filled some spots and some snaps as well. Uh, and so I feel like Texas right now, I mean, Trill Carter may be the only, the only portal guy from last year that is not playing extensive minutes. Gavin Holmes, Ryan Sanborn, A.D. Mitchell. Uh, who am I forgetting, Jerry? Uh, Jalen Catalan led yeah. the team in tackles on Saturday night. With, with not a lot of snaps. With half the snaps. So uh, portal guys, to Jerry's point earlier when he was talking uh, about uh, – you know, prioritizing or being uh, able to go after the portal in the off season here, it's coming. 
I, I, that's where I think Texas. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. They're not gonna go back off of that. Too no. much was made in the portal this. this no, time. no. That, that's why I, I know as fans that have followed recruiting for years, we get locked into high school. I think portal recruiting is more important right now for Texas than the how high they finish in the 2024 class. Honestly, Texas is going to sign a third straight top 10 class. They may sign a top five class. That depends on how many five stars you get at the end of the day in these rankings. But you can get five stars out of the portal because they have experience. A.D. Mitchell was a mid-four-star prospect coming out of high school. He was a five-star in the portal. He was a five-star Saturday night, even though he still can get better. Now, that that one play, Alabama run blitzed against him on that one play. It wasn't like he whiffed the block there. That was a good time call by Alabama, too. It happens in football, right? But as a playmaker, A.D. Mitchell's a five-star. All right, guys, let's move on to some more of these questions here. And, uh, oh, if I could find it. Oh, Todd Lacey, he says, what positions concern you guys the most right now on offense, defense, or special teams, if any? I, I So we do the grading, the uh, positions classes, uh, positions every Sunday, Bobby and I do. It- Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. For me, um, I would say I think you can always keep continue to block better on the edges with your tight ends and, and, and uh, wide receivers, right? And I think that'll continue to improve. Um, safety play, if you can spread Texas out and Catalan's not on the field, I kind of think they're an A-plus with Catalan on the field. If you remove Catalan, I think safety's – I mean, Texas isn't going to play a lot of teams with the talent Alabama has that can test you vertically deep in many ways. But the Texas safeties, I think, can still get better there, Bobby. I think I, – no, Jaron Thompson got turned around. They, they, you can't give uh, defenses if, – if you're playing with Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson, you cannot give teams too much time to throw the ball. Because they are not Thompson is a four six safety. Let's just be clear; he's not a four four or four five guy even. Um, but he he sticks his head in there. And he's smart, intelligent, uh, and knows where the ball's going. You just can't put him up man on a four four guy. So safety is safety and coverage without Catalan is a is a weakness. I think David Benda in coverage is a weakness. Back to back weeks. Uh, one was a, a guy that slipped behind him on in his zone against Rice. The out and up, or kind of the the go route uh, with the uh, backside with the uh, running back. 
out of the backfield or however they line that up. It was clearly open. Um, poor throw by Milrow. That's two weeks in a row teams have exposed him in coverage. Against the run, he's been great. Effort, the double effort sack. Two, two weeks in a row, by the way, Texas has been knocked to their knees and on the ground, and a guy got up and made a sack. Benda did that on Saturday against Alabama. Ethan Burke did it against Rice a week ago. That's effort, et cetera. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that the effort's not there from Benda. He's just been exposed in coverage. So Texas is going to have to find a way to hide that effectively, I think, long term. So how they do it, those are the two weaknesses that I see right now. Uh, this next question I'm going to take from the InsideTexas.com forums. And um, it, it's from Native Texan. And he says he's curious to think who you both, Jerry and Bobby, think, uh, saw their NFL stock rise after Saturday. Quinn Ewers? Yeah. I mean, that's that's it for me. I mean, look, in, um, Quinn for sure. Um, maybe JT Sanders because the ability to play in space after the catch against the team that's that talented. But Quinn for sure is number one there. Who's the Walter Camp Offensive Player of the Week. And that was a game. Now, you got to keep building on it. But, again, that's just his 12th college start. He's just started one season of college football. I think his real progression, Riley Dodge just said, his best football is way out in front of him. I think his progression this year is going to continue to ascend, by the way, um, as long as guys make plays for him. But it's definitely Quinn because he showed every throw. Sark always says you, he recruits guys that can make all the throws. Quinn made all the throws on the road uh, Saturday night against the best talent he'll play against this year unless Texas is in a playoff. I'd add one more, Jerry, that that will go under the radar unless we mention him. Christian Jones. He, he had a good game. He may have just went from a undrafted guy to a late rounder, um, five, six, seven. Yeah. Right, because he, he stonewalled Alabama. I mean, that's what they're looking for at right tackle. They may move him to guard in, in college or in the, the pros, by the way. He may be a guard in, in the pros. And that he would be good in pass protection as a guard. So I, I thought Christian Jones, of, of all those upperclassmen, Jade Barron, I don't think he necessarily moved up. He just, he is what he is. Um, kind of first, late first, second, third round guy. Uh, but Christian Jones may have made himself some money. You, you got, you, I, I got to bring in my sleeper now because I got, I got working into every show. Ryan Sanborn. <laughs> Ryan Sanborn's going to have a chance to make a roster, guys. Watch out. Hey, if you average 50 a boot, you're right. And kill the ball? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He that's, flipped, what, that's about what it takes. It takes 46, 47 to, to get on an NFL roster this, these days. Yeah, he flipped the field and he killed the ball inside the five. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's do some more Super Chats. We need to catch back up there. And uh, this first one from jeff calloway he says how active do you see texas in the portal after this win on recruits we missed out on on the last two off seasons thank you jeff by the way um but go ahead bobby i'm gonna go tight end for sure yeah because even though gunner helm will be back i think they're gonna they don't have that receiving tight end uh in the group it's not juan davis uh, he's not big enough necessarily it's uh, not will randall he won't be ready spencer shannon is more in that uh gunner helm mold um so i think they got to go tight end i think they'll look for uh 
impactful defensive tackle, potentially. They have to. They may look for an impactful linebacker, uh, safety. Uh, if they lose three, I mean, that, that there's a potential they lose their top three safeties now, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Those are the main ones. Oh, and wide receiver. Wide receiver, yeah. Yeah, yeah they have to go for a wide receiver because they're going to lose three at least. I mean, this is the exact type of year that will make Adonai Mitchell Mitchell go pro. Yeah. I mean, so the fact that he's a junior is nice and all, but he and Xavier Worthy, I can they they win these games, have a good year, they're gone, and Whittington is definitely gone. So, and, and let's talk about that. We talked about that before the season. The best case scenario for Texas football is Quinn plays like a goes in the first round. Xavier Worthy looks like a first rounder. A.D. Mitchell can go pro. Jatavian Sanders looks like a second rounder. The D tackles are good enough to, to improve their draft stock. If all those things happen, you're going to have a really good year on the field. That's what Texas fans should want uh, instead of worrying about who's going to come back. Want all those guys to have the best seasons they can, head off to the NFL, have 10 guys drafted, keep bringing in more talent, and really start building this thing for the longevity of the future. All right, this next super chat is about wide receiver as well. Uh, but from Bo, he says, I must ask, does Jonte see the end zone Saturday night? He saw the end zone Saturday in Tuscaloosa. He was celebrating with Xavier Worthy. He saw the end zone. Does he score against Wyoming? I think I, I, I missed on Rice. I thought he would score. That game just didn't have that type of – uh, didn't play out that way. What's interesting, uh, Wyoming is going to try to condense the game too. Oh, and yeah. That's, that's what's going to be interesting is can they condense the game? But I, I'll say this. I think either Jonte or Naor is going to get in the end zone Saturday. All right. And then we, uh, you know, earlier we were talking about the team staying motivated, things like that. So Bomb City Blue Jay says that a four to one or going four to one to ending five and seven should, last year, of course, should get this team going, right? <laughs> Look, I, look, I think that I I feel like the team is hungry right now. Sark talked a little bit about that in the preseason. I think we saw that um, against Alabama even. Uh, they and, and even Rice, in some regards, they were disappointed with their effort against Rice. And not necessarily their effort, the outcome. Um, and so I, I just don't – I don't see a reversion right now. Now – could some team come up? I mean, football bounces awkwardly at times. So things happen. Uh, if Texas would have lost one of those fumbles, right? What happens then? I mean, things can happen in football games. Uh, but overall, I believe. No. And we lost to Bobby there. I hey, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I bring up uh, Derek uh, Wisner. All right. We got a, the super chat here. He says, great game, great atmosphere, and most importantly, great win. From Derek Wisner. Jerry? Hey, I mean, look, uh, I, Bobby, when Bobby comes back, he can talk about how great of an atmosphere that actually was. He was there. Um, I've heard it from multiple people that it was an unbelievable atmosphere. And Alabama creates a great home atmosphere. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely great game, great atmosphere, great win. And, uh, uh, obviously, Trey Wisner continues to uh, be mentioned on special teams. And that's a really good sign for freshmen. No doubt about it. Somebody said Bobby's battery. (laughs) (laughs) I think Bobby Bobby finally got tired enough. He just, he fell asleep (laughs) mid-sentence. He's been going nonstop all weekend. There's no doubt about that. 
right, I'm going to bring Bobby back in here. <laughs> He's back. And we're going to go to this super chat from Travis Cadell. And he says, how do you think Coach Sark is going to settle down his team and get them refocused for Wyoming? I, I think it's pretty simple. Show Wyoming celebrating after beating Tech. All you have to do is show two minutes, the celebration, um, and uh, and then I just don't think it's going to take much. I, I think I I know people saw the videos of those guys at three in the morning. They needed to celebrate. They've earned absolutely. It. They needed to celebrate with the students at the University of Texas. I don't think Sark's got any issues uh, this week or next week or Kansas leading up to OU. I, I think this is going to be a pretty smooth process for him being able to get these guys rested and ready. Um, these kids know they have an, a, a kids, young adults. They know they have an opportunity now. They're not going to be low energy against Wyoming. Zero chance. The Texas fans, when they get off that bus, I'm just going to say it again. When they get off that bus at 5 p.m. Saturday, Bevo Boulevard is going to be packed. They're going to be looking around saying, we haven't seen anything like this. It's going to energize these guys Saturday night. The LED lights are going to be popping. And these guys are going to come out with adrenaline and energy Saturday. And then you go on the road at Baylor. I don't worry about Texas being flat for a road game against Baylor to start Big 12 play. I, I just don't. I think the schedule sets up right for Sark, Bobby. I, I do, too. I, I will say this about uh, letting those guys have their time. Um if they don't have their time after that game, when are they going to have their time? You, you got to enjoy the moment. And, and I, and I do believe Sark uh, is considered a player's coach, um, but not an easy one. He's not a, a, a pushover by any, any stretch. He tells them how he feels and what he thinks. Um, and so those, those guys, they're, they're in college. They need to go enjoy it. Now yeah. they need to refocus, but you, to not go celebrate with the entire Texas student body who's out in West Campus or at Littlefield Fountain or on the on the drag, that you got to let them do it, man. Um, and they deserve it, and they earned it. And I'm I'm happy for them. And I think every Texas fan should be just ecstatic for those guys because they pulled off something that not a lot of people thought they could do. They went into Alabama and beat the team by ten, and they beat them. I mean, I, that that's probably my biggest takeaway. That was not a luck. That. Maybe there was a ball that bounced Texas's way here or there, but Texas left. Riley Dodge said it earlier. They left meat on the bone. I mean, it wasn't like it was a perfect game from Texas. It was a good game, but it wasn't a perfect game. For sure. All right. This question from Brandon Fennell. He says, what were the changes in play slash personnel in the offensive line from Rice to Bama that created their success? Um, well, we mentioned uh, that uh, Cole, uh, that Cole Hudson came in and played quite a bit. Uh, he actually had 42 snaps, I believe, was the count by Pro Football Focus. 35 for DJ Campbell. I also think that they, I think that Christian Jones and Kelvin Banks became more aggressive in the run game. Yes. Uh, and Alabama is a different group now than uh, Rice. Rice is a group that is going to try to trick you, right? They they don't they're not going to just head up kind of Jimmy and Joe and beat you. They have to kind of trick you with their players. Bama is going to just try to straight up dominate you with the people they have. And Texas was good for that. And, 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 to them. and by the way, um, great job by Jake Majors. Oh, I I told you go back and watch if if you guys get a chance, Jerry, 
go back and watch the the touchdown run by Jonathan Brooks. Great play design, first of all, okay, by Texas. I think it's the same run that they they ran on third and seven late in the game where Brooks got the touch got the first down. Go watch what Jake Majors does to that that offside defensive tackle. Go watch what uh, DJ Campbell does to the linebacker and by by chance the safety, and then go watch what Christian Jones does on that play. He literally moves a Alabama defensive tackle two yards on a push. I mean, he just, I mean, he cleared that path like no nobody's business. Those three on that play, they could not have done it better. And that's your entire right side of the line, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we got a super chat here from Rudy Serta, and he says, are the refs in general turning a blind eye to holding calls on the offensive line? Bama was holding all night. So I don't know if y'all saw this, but one, on one of I was at the game uh, in the in the first half. One of uh, uh, Jalen Milrow's first uh, scrambles was around Baron Sorrell's end, and I could see I was in I had the end zone view, and I could literally see the offensive lineman latch on and hold Baron Sorrell from getting outside. I was like, that's that's a hold. And you have two guys, the refs back in the backfield, and how you don't be on the lookout for that of an escape right. I, I don't know how you don't see it, but look, I mean, it, Texas probably got away with holds too. In in all fairness, um, I thought the game overall was well officiated. I did not come away saying, "Oh, that game was Alabama," or "Oh, that game was Texas." I came away saying, "Well officiated game." Fairly officiated game more than anything. Hey, Blake, pull up Joseph Diaz's real quick. Super uh, chat. Yeah. <laughs> he hey, says, Jerry, New Orleans seafood or New Orleans barbecue? <laughs> hey, Bobby, uh, Joe, I, I believe Joseph may be over the uh, New Orleans, Texas Exes. Tell him to email the email you at, and I'll set up a trip to come down and talk to all the Texas Exes in New Orleans. Oh, absolutely. Go, Joseph, uh, on Texas football at gmail.com. If you guys have any anything y'all need from us ever or comments that you need to get done off the show, just email us at ontexasfootball at gmail.com. Uh, and by the way, barbecue. What? <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Is barbecue gumbo? Is that, I mean, how? I don't even know what to say. Hey, Brian, Irwin, and I are steak. We're steak and fries and potatoes, guys, okay? <laughs> Ooh, all right. I this come from the mud. I love the okra. <laughs> this next super chat from any given Saturday. Maybe I missed one, although I feel like we need to give credit to getting off the field with a win and no injuries. See? Jerry, you take that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. I mean, look, we're two games in. I'm interested to see if Maurice Blackwell plays this week a little bit. Do they work him in a little bit this, bit this week before the trip to Baylor? Um, because Texas can still get better. That's the thing. Um, uh, somebody said Quinn's favorite stat through receiving yards. That's pretty funny. Um, but, uh, look, no major injuries yet. I'm interested to see what Cedric Baxter's prognosis is. Obviously, I don't think it's a season ending deal. He was out on the field celebrating with the team, but he had to be helped to the locker room. So, well, I'm interested to see what, uh, Sark says, um, today when he takes the podium, how long, maybe if he, Talks about how long Baxter may be out, but that didn't look like an injury that 
you're going to play this week for sure when you have to you have to have help off the field and you can't put any pressure on your uh uh, right, right ankle. So we'll see. But yeah, getting out major season ending injury free, um, I, I think is always key. Uh, because when you have, when you've now set yourself up to have a really, really good season, uh, health becomes paramount. Nothing derails a, a season like this with just bad injury luck. And speaking of what you were just talking about, I'm going to read that super chat real quick from VL Patroni. says, favorite sack, Quinn, you were three receiving yards, but. Those are two crazy plays back to back. Have y'all ever seen anything like that? I I've seen Fran Tarkington throw it to himself in uh, old NFL films highlights, but I've never seen. I think maybe I've seen it once or twice before uh, a ricochet like that. It, you know, I'm glad that Quinn was alert and aware. That's the biggest piece for me, guys. Yeah, um, your quarterback has to keep his head in the game. That's that's what that showed to me. Then of course the player out before that was the uh, botched under center fumble <laughs> running back. I, 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 look, I don't even. I still don't know what that was exactly. <laughs> I'm going to ask Brian Irwin that in for for lunch with the coach today. I because I, I I think it was some sort of. I don't know whether Jatavian was supposed to get the hand. I just I don't. It looked so odd in every review I saw. I don't. I still don't know exactly what it was. Yeah, odd is the perfect way to describe it. There's no doubt about it. All right, guys, Zachary Delgado with Super Chat. Thank you, Zachary. And he says, which game had more importance, this one or Ohio State game in 05? That's a pretty easy answer. Right now is Ohio State in 05 because Texas won the national championship. I would say to be determined. So I I will say this, Jerry, um, as far as turning a program, uh. Texas, this this could could I mean Texas had already somewhat arrived. They were coming off a Michigan Rose Bowl win, right, with Vince Young uh, against Ohio State the next year. Texas had kind of arrived. Uh, Texas had been fighting get to get back to that situation, um, and I'm not so sure that they that that last that that's not what occurred on Saturday. They put a big step forward on that one yesterday or Saturday. I'm going to move ahead with some of these supers because we have so many that came in for the end. Uh, G Love says, did y'all see DJ Campbell block two people on the Jonathan Brooks touchdown? Yes. <laughs> I just talked about it. I loved it. He he basically gave off the the uh, uh, the tackle. Great. I did a great job getting one arm extended. Let Christian Jones take and collapse that defensive tackle. While DJ went out and sought the middle linebacker, he got the middle linebacker. In the in, in that instance, he also got the safety by default and literally cleared the way, that whole path for Jonathan Brooks into the end zone. Brooks, by the way, guys, if you go back and watch that, he made a great cut. That, that was originally set to go outside, and he cut it back inside because Christian Jones obliterated his guys. DJ Campbell gave him space. Jake Major tur- turned his guy. Uh, that was a well, well coached coach play and well executed play. All right, we're going to move on here from DC history. Thank you, DC. He says if we beat Wyoming, we'd have beaten a team that beat Tech, a team that beat U of H, and Bama. No team in the country has a better three and O start to the season. What's your thoughts? I, I have. I'd have to really look at that. Um, you know, uh, I know Tech's had a worse start to the season. 
Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd have to take a look at that. I mean, I, have, I haven't looked at who's coming up for some other teams. Uh, so much is going on between the Texas win and recruiting. Um, I'd have to look. And then, uh, Jerry, you have a question from Bo here. He says, are you a homer now? I'm not sure if he's talking about Jonte <laughs> or UT or, or look, what the deal is, but I'll let you answer. I, well, look, here's the thing. When you grow up in a, a son of a coach and you listen to coaching meetings growing up, and, and you grow up with a mindset of here's what I want to see. We, Bobby and I talk about Texas as the most talented team they've had from an NFL perspective. We gave you the numbers from uh, from an NFL scout that some information we got um but you got to you have to see this stuff you have to see teams take steps um it, it, and that's just where I come out and I'm different than a lot of people is just when you grow up in a coaching office and you hear the conversations no different than Riley Dodge even though he's a coach he's 686 and I'm 0 and 0 you still hear all the conversations growing up and, and, and it's like when Brian Irwin comes on there and says, I'm not into predictions because he knows. I mean, he knows. And so there's things you want to see after the Rice game. Look, I needed to see the Texas offensive line be more physical. I don't care about the missed assignment so much is the physicality. Because if you and I know Rice ran some different games, they have some smaller players. Still, Sark was upset about the physicality. He said it. You want there's things you want to see to know a team can go get what could be out in front of them. Um, and, and I come out the same way today as I was then. Texas went from having a team that we predicted to go 10-2. and two. They have the opportunity to have a great season. You know what? They can still get better, and they have to keep getting better. Uh, but what you like is the depth, depth you're seeing right now. Uh, and then one more super chat, and I believe we are caught up, oh, of course, and another one came in right when I said that. Uh, but from Charlie990, he says, appreciate the, all the Longhorn content, fellas. Hook them. Charlie, we appreciate the super chat. Appreciate all of you for tuning in, for sure. Hey, uh, guys, it has been a great week. Um, oh, yeah. Glad I didn't sell my tickets. Yeah, I was about to say, Dax Kale uh, says, glad me? I didn't sell my ticket. Hook them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to all of these. We're, we're, uh, we're trying to bring you guys information uh, and not kind of BS through it, but actual thoughts, opinions, as well as stats. Uh, make sure you check out Lunch with the Coach today at yes. noon. Jerry and Rod have a talk in football later today. Uh, that will be, I, I think, very informative as well. Rod's got some stats he wants to go over. I know that. That uh, will be good. Uh, but literally, uh, really excited about where Texas is right now. I want to say I want to bring this one up real quick because I believe it's the truth right now for Texas football. Talent is only part. Chemistry is right on now. That is what Texas Texas has had a mix of a talent and a mix of chemistry in the last decade and a half. At times, they've never had both. The last time they had chemistry was 2018, in my opinion, like true great chemistry. That ended up with the Sugar Bowl win against Georgia. They haven't had that level of talent and chemistry mix since then. I think that's what you're seeing. We, we've used that term culture. Chemistry is a is a sim, uh, is a simile for that, in my opinion. Hey guys, we y'all were talking, or Jerry, you were talking about you know 10, 11 wins, whatever it may be. And I saw this question earlier, and it reminded me. Poppy J says most, if not all, of the on Texas football group set a ten win team with a loss to Alabama. So are we up to eleven wins on the season now after Saturday's victory? For me, 
barring major injury issues, yes, that's the I had ten and two. Um, and if you you win at Alabama, now I I, I move to eleven and one. Does do I think Texas going undefeated? Not many teams go undefeated, but yeah. barring major injuries, I've now moved it up a notch. And and you know, especially from what how they won the game Saturday. Bobby, does it change your perspective at all? I don't know that it changes my overall number now. I got to be honest. Uh, uh, and the reason I say that, uh, guys, is um, I still think this team has to prove it each and every week. Uh, I think it's more likely that, that they definitely hit the 10-win mark, though. So my my prediction of 10 wins, I was sitting around 50-50 on that. Uh, now I'm more like 75-25 on it, 70-30 on that 10 wins. That's That's what it does. Because uh, you still, these are still young guys. There's room for error. They were planning for Alabama. There's all those mitigating things. Uh, but to Jerry's point, maybe the biggest, the biggest two things that have happened against Alabama. One, we saw them actually beat a team and we saw the offensive line be more physical. Jerry said that. The second thing that's happened in the first two games, Texas has an edge pass rush. I did not anticipate that. Yeah, those yeah. two things change where this team, the actual ceiling of the team, not just where how many wins I think they'll have. The ceiling. You can win a lot of games with pass rush. Uh, two things. I just got a text. Justin Wells, um, he said Baxter may have just been cramping really badly. We'll see. That's all I want to see. It'll be interesting to see what Sark has to say. See, he had to be helped off the field, and he couldn't put any pressure on his right leg. Maybe he had an awful cramp. We'll see. Um, the other thing was, Somebody said, well, who will Texas lose to looking at the schedule? That, that's kind of the thing that m makes this all fun, right? Um, Georgia beat Missouri 26-22 last year in Columbia. They beat Kentucky 16-6 in Lexington last year. They were That score is not indicative of how much better Georgia was than those teams. And that's what makes this such a great sport and sports so great and why we love it and follow it in general uh, because a lot of people cheer for the underdog, period. Texas is now the underdog every single week is wanting to take out Texas. And that's when you go from with a, a team in athletics, right? You Texas is always hated, but now they're the, officially the hunted the rest of the season. That's a difference. There's a difference between being the hated and the hunted. Texas now put themselves in a position to be the hunted in the Big 12. And that helps Sark, by the way. For sure. All right, we got time for just a few more here. This uh, super chat from DJ. He says, haven't started 3-0 and since 2012. Saturday is big. Hook them. I think he's spot on there. No denying that. Hey, I got to say this. The last time Texas started 3-0, and by the way, Wyoming was on the schedule. Because <laughs> I was looking that up. That uh, was in Laramie, right? No. No, 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 it wasn't. It no, wasn't. It was at home. Uh, Wyoming, Texas beat Wyoming 37-17, then beat New Mexico 45 to nothing, then went on the road and just destroyed Ole Miss 66 to 31. Uh, David Ash uh, became the quarterback that year for the Longhorns. Uh, yeah. That was the, the, the coming out party for him. Uh, but uh, right now, 2012, we, we went into this year saying 10 to 15 years since Texas has had this kind of talent, team, et cetera. I, I just think that I, I I mentioned it in the article on Inside Texas to, this morning. It confirmed my suspicions. 
Um, I felt like a lot of people said you're giving us too much Kool-Aid in the offseason. I think the talent is what I was talking about. I just I was leery of execution. They executed in that fourth quarter, 21 to 8. Texas outscored an Alabama team known for execution, known for being well coached, known for being disciplined. Texas beat them. And Bobby, one of the things that you talked about this offseason as well was how different this team looked. And Ben Jacobs here, he says, as I sat behind the bench on Saturday, I kept thinking about what Bobby said throughout the offseason. This team will look different. Freshmen like Hill, Muhammad, Baxter, McDonald looked the part. Whoa. And thank you, Ben, by the way. Congrats on great seats, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth, man? <laughs> yeah. If you're that close to where you can see the, uh, the the physique of the freshman class, you're sitting in a pretty good spot. I look, this is what happens when you coop back-to-back top five classes. I mean, there's a reason. The one thing that remains the same, whether you talk to a college assistant coach, a high school coach, a, a parent of a prospect, for years when you go see Alabama take the field, you're like, mm, they just look a little different than our guys do. And Georgia's at that point now, right? Ohio State's been at that point. It, it, it doesn't mean you're going to win all the games, but it definitely means when everybody notices, mm, those guys look a little different, they have a better chance to win all the games. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> hey, I want to say this. Jaheim Otis, he wasn't better than Tavondre Sweat, Jerry. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there for folks. Yeah. So he – Everybody's thinking J- Jaheim Otis is a possible top 15 pick. He wasn't better than than uh, Tavondre Sweat on Saturday. Yeah. And you're talking that's the that's those big guys you're talking about on the interior where Alabama always looks different than the other team. Yeah. I didn't think he was better. Hey uh guys, I need to say uh, thank you to our newest sponsor John Donovan, president of Longhorn Wealth Management. Uh, in his more than 30 years of practice, John as a certified financial planner has been providing total wealth management services and solutions for his clients. John is a proud UT grad and has served 14 years as a Dallas, Texas, Texas board member. He shares his passion for UT with his wife and his six siblings, all of whom are also UT grads. It is this passion that led John to dedicate his firm to serving his fellow UT alums, employees, family, and friends. So So to learn how Longhorn Wealth can help orchestrate prosperity for you and your loved ones, give John a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. All right, let's take about two more questions, guys, before we wrap this up. And uh, one thing that, you know, we talked about last week was going after punts. And we didn't see that. Uh, So Andy says, do you know why we aren't trying to block punts so far this season? I think this is a great question. And for Texas fans out there, um, here's the here's the best answer you could ever hear because Texas was in control of the game against Bama. They never had to go after a punt. You know they went into that game with a plan to go block a punt. They haven't had to yet. That's bad news for Baylor. <laughs> or whoever. Yeah. Maybe Kansas. Yeah. Maybe Kansas State, you just never know. Texas hadn't gone after a pump because they haven't had to. All right, final question for today, and it comes from Hector. And he says, be honest, guys, how would each of you rank Texas now? Of course, Texas number four in the AP poll. They received two first-place votes, first time in the top five since 2010. 
But if you had an AP vote, what would you put them at? Well, I'd have Georgia one until they lose. It's just fair. And they're still really, really talented. Uh, Michigan, I think, two is a great one because I think this is Harbaugh's best team, even though they lost to TCU this year. They may have the most upperclassmen drafted kids of anybody in, the, in college football and a quarterback that's gaining more experience. I'd have them one, two until things change. It gets a little interesting after that. I haven't. I, I don't know. Ohio State lost a lot. You, it's kind of like Bama. Um, you can't continue to just replace that much offensive firepower. Quarterbacks, I know Marvin Harrison's a great player, but, man, they've lost a lot um, the last couple of years. Um, it, I, I'm not sure I would have Ohio State over Texas right now if it was me. Uh, the, this, the sleeper one for me is Washington. That's the sleeper team. I think Kalen DeBoer is a great young football coach. Uh, what he's done there has been amazing. I mean, they whacked Boise State. And UCF had to have a last-second field goal to beat Boise State. I know it's different teams, but Washington was 11-2 and last year. Texas fans are familiar with them. Uh, they were 11-2 and last year and returned a lot. Um, they're kind of an interesting team. But Florida State, maybe three ahead of Texas, maybe. Um, but I'd probably have Texas four where the AP does, Bobby. You're gonna, y'all, you guys are gonna laugh at me, but I wouldn't have Georgia in the top five right now. I, I watched, uh, I watched their game. They they lost a lot, Jerry. They have, um, and they're not. Their their offense is not what it was with uh, uh, the play caller leaving Todd Monk. That's kind of been the question. Yeah, I I, I just don't think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have extended periods of funk on offense with the Mike Bobo as play caller, in my opinion. Now, does that mean that they're not going to win 11 games? No, because <laughs> they're that talented. I just wouldn't have them at number one. Uh, the best team I've seen thus far um, is, is either Michigan or Florida State, um, in my opinion. And Florida State has weaknesses, but their quarterback is not one of them. Uh, he, he is a guy that I think can move around. He's kind of – the, the consummate college quarterback, if that makes sense. And Mike Norvell has a nice offense. Uh, Washington would also be my sleeper as well. I, I really like what, they, what they're, they've got going on. All right, guys. Well, Bobby, I know you talked about it just a few minutes ago, but one more time, can you tell everybody what you got coming down the pipe today right here on On Texas Football? Yeah, right at noon, we're going to release a lunch with the coach, with Coach Brian Irwin, two-time state championship high school coach. He was at the game on Saturday. Uh, met up. We, we hung out at the tailgate a little bit together uh, beforehand. I want to talk to him uh, personally. Uh, and then also Jerry and Rod Babers come back uh, this afternoon with Talk and Ball. Steve Sarkeesian, remember, also goes to the podium at 11 a.m. Uh, we'll be on. We'll be uh, following that. So if any big major news breaks, please uh, look in on that. Uh, also, I want to say uh, for those of you guys just joining us, uh, please consider a subscription to uh, the uh, Inside Texas InsideTexas.com, promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. Uh, $1 for two months. It's just $1 for two months. It has to be an introductory offer. We're not, this is a, a situation where we're trying to introduce new people from YouTube to Inside Texas, uh, where Jerry and myself and uh, dozens of others all uh, are part of it uh, on a weekly basis or daily basis. Uh, so please give us a try over there. Uh, guys, huge weekend. This past weekend for the Longhorns, I, I, I cannot express enough what this might mean for Texas football going forward. Might. Now they have to go do it next week against Wyoming. They have to go to Baylor. 
They have it's might until they actually go and keep executing. And in Riley Dodge, I thought put it well. Uh, now you now you sense the hunger. Now, how much do you want to improve from here? That's that's what I wanted to close with this morning. All right, y'all. Well, we appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime there's a new video posted. And then head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest in Longhorn coverage. And, uh, yeah, so for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe. And we'll see you again same time, same place tomorrow morning. Welcome.